Welcome to the Kinship Care Liverpool podcast. Uh, my name's David. As always, this is a look at things that affect everyone in regards to kinship and the other things along the, on, along the way. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to comment on anything, please do it through whichever service you're using in regards to listening to the podcast itself. If you are using it through Spotify, please uh, subscribe. Um, it will add notifications so that when it, when these episodes drop, it will come up. Obviously, we have our Instagram, Facebook, uh, the Twitter. Just type in Kinship, Kinship Care Liverpool. It will appear in there. Uh, so as we have just finished uh, World Book Day, I, I, don't, I don't think it is a week. I think it's just the day. Um, I thought I would have a look at reading and, and the the benefits of shared reading. Uh, we've just done our course with with the reader uh, based in Coldstones Park, the Story Barn. Uh, wonderful people. If you ever get a chance to go there, um, it's wonderful place to go uh, for all ages. You know, it does seem like it should be somewhere where only you know younger kids go. But I've been with teenagers and things like that, and it is a very, um, very wonderful, in all inclusive place. Uh, and one of the things that they do is a thing called shared reading, which is really a look at. How, how how reading can affect people and i i'm i'm a huge reading person i i spent most of my my life in a library i'm a i am a qualified um librarian uh, so books are basically part of my dna um despite things with kindles and pdfs and workbooks and all of those type of things i still prefer having a a book in my hand I prefer to feel paper and going into a library and everything like that I love libraries you know as I say I have a qualification in it and then unfortunately uh once I qualified they decided to close almost every library in uh in in the Merseyside area uh and I know that's 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 almost like a UK based, probably even worldwide based. You know, everything is going online, which I'm not even going to dispute because it is great to be able to say, okay, on my phone I have one file that has hundreds of books, or I have one app that has hundreds of books. Um, there are a lot of apps out there, uh, so if you if you do find it difficult to get to libraries, um, there is an app called uh, Libby, which you don't you don't want. All you have to do is be a member of a library. So this is a, a universal thing. It's actually, I, I believe it's a worldwide thing. Uh, so if you are a member of a library, whether it's the Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham, London, whatever library it is, uh, you just download Libby, you put in your library book and it allow, library card details, and it allows you to download and watch and, watch and read uh, or listen to even. It has audio books. It has a lot of, a lot of books on there. Um, a lot of the times it's, you know, especially, you know, this was almost invaluable during the lockdown because it was just so much easier just to click a button and, and then have a book appear and it will give you suggestions. And, you know, it won't have every book. I will make that very clear. It won't have every book. And like like a library, like anything else, if someone else, if they only have, I think they have two or three copies of each of each uh, book on there. So if you, you can, obviously you can, Put a request to, to keep that in, in place or or, or re, read something else it will give you other options uh, but the other thing it also does as well is if a book isn't available you can suggest it you can say well i actually think this would be a good book it goes through to i presume some 
opting computer that then decides what's going on. Um, but anyway, as as I say, with the reader, there's a very much uh, an emphasis on the power of reading and how important it is. You know, the the your reading, you know, it is one of life's luxuries, really. Even if you, you know, it, most people will say you know one of the happiest moments is being read to as a child, whether it was Doctor Seuss or. You know, for my, for me, I, I, my my dad used to ring, read Sinbad to me, the Sinbad stories. But I used to love sitting there and having books read to me. And I suppose in a way, it's it's really good with audio books where you can you can have that experience again of someone reading to you, and especially if you have problems sleeping or relaxing, that can help. And also just in regards to time, because what a lot of people don't realize is the pressure that people put on 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 yourself if if you i mean i'll, I'll give you an example there's a book here called uh june it's just been made into a film by frank herbert now this book has been on my shelf for probably about 10 years and probably even longer than that it's 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 quite a it's quite an old obviously it is an old book itself but my copy is is quite old i remember picking it up from a charity shop and thinking i will read that book and I have never got round to it. And one of the main reasons is because of the length. Um, it's quite a thick book. I think it's about 400 pages. Um, so it does make me sceptical. I, I always have that thing of when I when I want to read, I want to be able to finish it. And one of the things that the reader really do promote is the fact that reading shouldn't be a task. It shouldn't be a case of you picking up a book and thinking, I have to finish this book. You should budget it out you make it a you even if you're only reading 10 pages a day or 10 pages a week you know don't sit there and think to yourself this is a goal that i have to accomplish by doing that you then cause things like anxiety stress and you may even you know, it may be subconscious um i find this a lot when i'm reading to to the children when i um when i pick up a book and it's more than say 50 pages my brain immediately goes into shock because you know i'm thinking the kids won't be able to follow this i won't be able to read all of this you know what's the you know it's that thing you know, with with one of our children he falls asleep after about two pages and so you yeah i'm reading the same two pages over and over again um which is good because it means that most books uh, i have almost learned off by heart because of this um but it is important to think to yourself that this isn't a task you know, I, I after doing this course with the reader, I went back and I picked up June. Um, I'm currently, if 30, 40 pages into it, I'd say it is like a 400 page book. I don't really expect to, to get through it in a, a week, a day, whatever it would be. But it is now my, my, my not, not a goal, but I've now got an impetus to say, well, actually, why, why is it difficult? And one of the things that people do do is about looking at things from a different point of view, which it kind of, it's the same with anything really. You know, it, it's like doing the, doing the dishes. If you think, oh, look at that mound of dishes, I can't do it. Um, I know I'm really going off on one here, but um, but once you look at things from a different point of view, thinking, well, I'll just do the cups, get them out the way, and then I'll come back to the other bits, or just doing whatever it would be, doing the big bits so that it doesn't look as much and by breaking it down and that's the same thing with a book if you break it down to i'll read a chapter i'll read 10 pages i'll read for 20 minutes you then start 
enjoying it because it becomes a a natural task. You know, I've I've made it a point of reading for 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, even if I'm only getting through. I mean, this is quite a, a, a dense book. You know, if you've seen the film, it's quite um it's quite complicated. So I'm 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 a little confused to say the least. But I'm reading you know five you know 10, 15, 20 minutes a day just to give me something you know, so I can, you know, you, you can use it for relaxing everyone else. Uh, the reader does a thing called shared reading, uh, which you can go to their website to have a look at and volunteer for. This is where people will come to, essentially, it is to share reading. It's to read out loud. It's to listen to other people. Um, they do a lot of things where they will go into care homes and places like that where they will go and read to other people. Um, and a lot of people do, you know, you know, my mum who suffered from dementia, she 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 apparently had this with her as well. Where you know, she my mum loved books. My mum would read books voraciously, but once she had problems with her hands and everything, she lost all of that. But to have someone there to read to you can be quite therapeutic as well. Um, obviously, with obviously with it being kinship carers, it is about reading to kids and getting kids to read and. I would say my best tip in regards to reading to kids and everything like that is find a book that you like. Um, now, it may be a book from things that you've read in the past. Uh, it may be just simple books. It may be a book that you get the kid to be involved with. Um, I love Dr. Seuss. Um, I love The Cat in the Hat. I love Green Eggs and Ham. Um, I love, there's a book, uh, for, um, uh, Big, uh, sorry, I think it's, Big fish, little fish, red fish, blue fish. I, I'm sure it's it's some variation of that. But I love Doctor Doctor Seuss. Uh, I love Julia Gold, uh, Donaldson, uh, who does the Gruffalo. And what what I find with her because of the rhyming schemes and rhyme is really quite an important thing, especially in regards to getting children to recognise sounds and and words uh, when they learn that you know cat and hat you rhyme and they you know. It does help, especially if you have children who struggle with with comprehension and words and things like that. Uh, so I definitely would recommend um, finding a book that you like because once when you when you sound like you're enjoying it, the children will enjoy it. And I, I you know, when we did our reader experience, you know, I, I love reading things out loud. Um, it's it's one of the things that I, I love doing. Um, I have a um, almost a Rick Mail feel to it like i love jack and nori and things like that where you know if you've if you've ever seen that and it's, i think it's available on youtube it's um it's rick mail doing i think george's Mar marvelous medicine and it is probably one of the best readings i mean roldal's amazing anyway but having rick mail and all of that energy come out you know it's it is so, so good using voices you know making the gruffalo scottish or irish or scouse or you know Manchester, whatever accent, American, whatever you want it to be. Uh, and you'll find that they do, they start to enjoy it a lot more as well. The children, you know, I read uh, a book to my, my daughter, which is the, um, uh, the frog prince and my, the frog in my frog prince is, is French, obviously. And, and she loves me doing this silly French voice while I'm talking like the frog. And, the the more you do that, the more they engage, the more they want to read books. I make it a point of 
you know, all the kids have got library book, uh, library cards. If you've if you've never been to it, if you if, if you um, if you live in Liverpool, even if you don't, uh, the Liverpool Central Library is amazing. It's one, probably one of the best uh, libraries in the world. Um, funnily enough, we we went to Birmingham just on an offside. We went to Birmingham um, a couple of weeks ago, and the Birmingham Library has been noted as saying it was just, it's one of the best libraries in the world. I didn't really in comparison with the Liverpool Library, but I just. Uh, you know if you if you are a fan of books especially the children's area which has got a big stage where they can go and play and it's got lots of uh, you know, books that they can read and look at and you know, obviously you know if you go up to the top you if you can look at the the vista of liverpool which is which is amazing um but i definitely would recommend if you ever come to liverpool or if you do live in liverpool and never been there uh, i would recommend i know uh with kinship we did do a visit to uh um, to Liverpool uh, Library, and we went around like the Picton reading rooms and those type of things. Which they're, they're that's amazing in itself. If you go to the Picton um, reading room, because it's just such a magnificent uh, building, um, magnificent area as well. Um, so what I thought I'd do in regards to um, uh, part of, in regards to book week and everything else, I thought I'd read a couple of things uh, i was told when i did the reader uh, course that uh, people like listening to me i'm very yeah i, I know as, as i say i know stories off by heart i have had to go sort of looking at things that are out of copyright just so that we don't get marked or anything or the, the podcast gets pulled down um you know if you do enjoy this i might consider doing more of them uh, I say I'm a huge fan of things like you know Roll Dar. I don't know whether we'd be able to get away with things like Roll Dar. I think that's a bit too much in, in copyright. Uh, but obviously, tr- trying to do as as much as you can. So if you're not a fan of of reading or listening, then this might be something for you, your kids, uh, for your your kin kids to, to listen to, uh, or yourselves even if you do enjoy it. Um, please let me know. I can do more of them. Yeah, I could make this like an, a separate part of the podcast, do do one of these a week. Because uh, I, I say I do enjoy reading, so why, why not share share it? It's, um, you know, it, it, it's a good thing to do. And if, if you enjoy it, you know, I say, please let me know. This first one is The Jumblies by Edward Lear. They went to sea in a sieve, they did. In a sieve, they went to sea. In spite of all their friends could say, on a winter's morn, on a summer stormy day, in a sieve they went to sea. And when the sieve turned round and round, and everyone cried, you'll all be drowned. They called aloud, our sieve ain't big, and we don't care a button, we don't care a fig. In a sieve we'll go to sea. Far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green, their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. They sailed away in a sieve, they did. In a sieve they sailed so fast. With only a beautiful pea-green veil, tied with a ribband by way of a sail, to a small tobacco pipe mast. And everyone said who saw them go, Oh, won't they be soon upset, you know? For the sky is dark, the voyage is long, and happen what may, it's extremely wrong. In a sieve to sail so fast. Far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green, their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. The water it soon came in, it did. The water it soon came in. So to keep them dry, they wrapped their feet in a pinky paper all folded neat. 
and they fastened it down with a pin. And they passed the night in a crockery jar, and each of them said, How wise we are! Though the sky be dark, and the voyage be long, yet we never can think we were rash or wrong, while round in our sieve we spin. Far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green, and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. And all night long they sailed away, and when the sun went down, they whistled and warbled a moony song, the echoing sound of a coppery gong, in the shade of the mountains brown. O Timbaloo, how happy we are, when we live in a sieve and a crockery jar. And all night long in the moonlight pale, we sail away with a pea-green sail, in the shade of a mountains brown. Far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green, their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. They sailed to the western sea, they did, to, to a land all covered with trees. They bought an owl and a useful cart, and a pound of rice and a cranberry tart, and a hive of silvery bees. And they bought a pig and some great jackdaws, and a lovely monkey with lollipop paws, and forty bottles of ringbowree, and no end of stilton cheese. Far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green, their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. And in twenty years they all came back, in twenty years or more, and everyone said, how tall they've grown. For they've been to the lakes and the terrible zone, and the hills of the Chankly Bore. And they drank their health and gave them a feast of dumplings made of beautiful yeast, and everyone said, if only we live, we too will go to see in a sieve, to the hills of the Shankly Bore. Far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. That's a little bit of uh, nonsense there for you. Uh, for those who did do the reader course, you probably will remember that. Uh, I think we only did the first verse of it, so I thought I'd, uh, I'd finish it for us. Uh, this next one I'm going to read, the first section of the wizard of oz now i'm sure everyone knows the wizard of oz from from the the the, the film uh, it's one of those it was one of those books that i hadn't read not not properly anyway i probably have read it at some point but never never with any um any any desire to continue obviously it's it's not a it's, it's not a film that i've really ever got any enjoyment out of but i thought i'd read this uh, and i say if you it is out of copyright so it should be available online if i can find a link to it uh, i will uh, post that on 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 the site uh, but this is generally a book that you can find uh, everywhere but it's just one of those books that a lot of people they know of because of the film uh, obviously the music everything else uh, but they may not know uh, that there's i think there's seven i think it's about 10 stories uh, books from the, the land of oz it's kind of like narnia where people think there's maybe two or three books there's actually i think there's about, i think about seven of the narnia books but um so i thought i'd just read this and i say if you do think that you want me to carry on i can i can do this as a as a weekly thing uh, as a as a separate thing itself dorothy lived in the midst of the great kansas prairies with uncle henry who was a farmer and Auntie M, who was a farmer's wife. Their house was small. For the lumber to build it had to be carried by wagon miles, many miles. There were four walls, a floor and a roof, 
which made one room, and this room contained a rusty-looking cooking stove, a cupboard for the dishes, a table, three or four chairs, and the beds. Uncle Henry and Auntie M had a big bed in one corner, and Dorothy a little bed in another corner. There was no garret at all, and no cellar, except a small hole dug in the ground called a cyclone cellar, where the family could go in case one of those great whirlwinds rose, mighty enough to crush any building in its path. It was reached by a trapdoor in the middle of the floor, from which a ladder led down into the small dark hole. When Dorothy stood in the doorway and looked around, she could see nothing but the great grey prairie on every side. Not a tree nor a house broke the broad sweep of flat country that reached the edge of the sky in all directions. The sun had baked the ploughed land into a grey mass with little cracks running through it. Even the grass was not green the sun had burnt the tops of the long blades until they were the same grey colour to be seen everywhere. Once the house had been painted, but the sun blistered the paint and the rains washed it away, and now the house was as dull and grey as everything else. When Aunt Em came to live, she was a young, pretty wife. The sun and wind had changed there too. They had taken the sparkle from her eyes, left them a sober grey. They had taken the red from her cheeks and lips, and they were grey also. She was thin and gaunt, and never smiled now. When Dorothy, who was an orphan, first came to her, Auntie M had been so startled by the child's laughter that she would scream and press her hand upon her heart whenever Dorothy's merry voice reached her ears. And she still looked at the little girl with wonder that she could find anything to laugh at. Uncle Henry never laughed. He worked hard from morning till night, and did not know what joy was. He was grey also, from his long beard to his rough boots, and he looked stern and solemn, and rarely spoke. It was Toto that made Dorothy laugh, and saved her from growing as grey as her other surroundings. Toto was not grey. He was a little black dog, with long black hair, silky hair, and small black eyes that twinkled merrily on either side of his funny wee nose. Toto played all day long, and Dorothy played with him, and loved him dearly. Today, however, they were not playing. Uncle Henry sat upon the doorstep, looked anxiously at the sky, which was even greyer than usual. Dorothy stood in the door, with Toto in her arms, and looked at the sky too. Aunt Em was washing the dishes. From the far north they heard a low wail of the wind, and Uncle Henry and Dorothy could see where the long grass Bowden waves before the coming storm. There now came a sharp whistling in the air from the south, and as they turned their eyes, that's that way they saw ripples in the grass coming from that direction also. Suddenly, Uncle Henry stood up. There's a cyclone coming, Em, he called to his wife. I'll go look after the stock. Then he ran towards the sheds where the cows and the horses were kept. Aunt Em dropped her work and came to the door. One glance told her of the danger close at hand. Quick, Dorothy, she screamed. Run for the cellar. Toto jumped out of Dorothy's arms and hid under the bed, and the girl started to get him. Aunt Em, badly frightened, threw open the trapdoor on the floor and climbed down the ladder into the small dark hole. Dorothy caught Toto at last and started to follow her aunt. When she was halfway across the room, there came a great shriek from the wind and the house shook so hard that she lost her footing and sat down suddenly upon the floor. 
A strange thing then happened. The house whirled around two or three times and rose slowly through the air. Dorothy felt as if she was going up in a balloon. The north and south winds met where the house stood and made it the exact centre of the cyclone. In the middle of the cyclone, the air is generally still, but the great pressure of the wind on every side of the house raised it up higher and higher until it was at the very top of the cyclone. And there it remained and was carried miles and miles away as easily as you could carry a feather. It was very dark and the wind howled horribly around her, but Dorothy found she was riding quite easily. After the first few whirls around and one other time when the house tipped badly, she felt as if she was being rocked gently like a baby in a cradle. Toto did not like it. He ran around the room, now here, now there, barking loudly. But Dorothy sat quite still on the floor and waited to see what would happen. Once Toto got too near the open trapdoor and fell in, and at first the little girl thought she had lost him, but soon she saw one of his ears sticking up through the hole for the strong pressure of the air was keeping him up so that he could not fall. She crept to the hole, caught Toto by the ear and dragged him into the room again, afterwards closing the trap door so that no more accidents could happen. Hour after hour passed by. Slowly Dorothy got over her fright, but she felt quite lonely and the wind shrieked so loudly all about her that she nearly became deaf. At first she had wondered if she could would be dashed to pieces when the house fell again. But as the hours passed and nothing terrible happened, she stopped worrying and resolved to wait calmly and see what the future would bring. At last she crawled over the swaying floor to her bed and lay down upon it, and Toto followed and lay down beside her. In spite of the swaying of the house and the wailing of the wind, Dorothy soon closed her eyes and fell fast asleep. And that's where we'll end that part. So that was only five pages, but that felt quite therapeutic for me. I say, if you do enjoy it, I say this, this I, I will happily sit here and read the rest of the book. Uh, if you think that yourself or if you, your children would like to read it, I say, I will try and find it online to post the link uh, if you want to read along along with me, which is always a, a good way of doing it. Um, now, and we're hoping to do a few uh, podcasts with uh, a number of people over the next couple of um, couple of weeks. Uh, we're also going to be doing one in regards to life stories. But as always, if you have any topics in relation to kinship kids or anything regarding parenting or whatever it would be, uh, please let us know. So we have had a, um, a request for one on autism. I'm currently doing a course in regards to autism and also one in regards to benefits. So hopefully we can have a look at that and see what exactly we can do and obviously what what you meant to look for and obviously in regard to benefits what you're actually entitled or not entitled to so that's all from me uh, my name's david and thank you for listening to the kinship care liverpool podcast <laughs>